Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. The Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Raymond Barr, a dream, has come true. Featured ahead, McKinnon racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! President Jim Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Season two of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. I've been telling you guys to keep an eye out for some changes, and the changes are here. If you were paying attention to the intro, you heard hosts of the Colorado Avalanche Tell It Abs It Is podcast, and I want to be the first to welcome Christian Boulay to the show permanently as the co-host. Christian, welcome to the show. I cannot wait to get started with the season with you. Oh, Griffin, thank you so much for having me, man. I am so excited and just so ready for the Avs season to get started. And we're excited to share it all with you Avs faithful fans too. 100%. This is, I am looking forward to this season more than anything. I mean, our, our talk last week just went so well. I, I absolutely had to, to bring you on the show full-time, had a ton of fun last week. And like, like we've been talking about privately all week long, I can't wait to see where this is going to take us all year long because we've still got plenty of things up our sleeve for the season. Oh, yeah. Keep your eyes out, folks. Keep your eyes out. we got some fun stuff. 100%. Right? Keep your eyes out. And for, well, we're going to hit you with one right off the bat because we brought on Raj from Altitude Sports Radio today to talk about another season preview for the Avalanche coming up. And I got to say, this was another outstanding talk. Raj is just an outstanding human being. And this was a pleasure to have him on. Oh, I love Raj is the man. If you guys don't already make sure to check out his post game show with the abs on uh, called between the pipes uh, on altitude sports radio. It is a fantastic listen when you're driving home to the radio, driving home and listen to the radio. And just, I love Raj. Raj is the man. So can't say thank you enough to Raj. Yeah. He is just a, a one of a kind human being. And it was, such a pleasure for him to, to take out the time to spend with us today. We talked about the abs coming out of training camp, what their defense is going to look like, who's going to make the lineup out of new hook, Ranta and Maltsev, how the second line is going to look if Nachushkin 
can be a long-term solution. We talked about Andre Burakovsky and just how good he can be. We've talked about Miko Rantanen. You know, in, if you listen to the season preview episode, last episode, this one's completely different. We covered all the things that fell through the cracks last episode, and Raj hit the nail on the head several, several times. His analysis, I feel, was on point with a lot of it. Yeah, and you forget the most important part. He had we had a couple dogs crash the interview too. So, oh, one hundred. That's um, the best part of any that's interview. That's the you best get the part dogs of the interview. Running into the get, room. Those are some cute dogs, man. They were. They yeah. were, man. So, uh, not to brag, that may have been the best part of the interview, but still listen to the rest of it because Raj is fantastic. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited for you all to hear it. Yeah. So we'll be back right after the interview with Raj. That was about an hour, I would say, right? About an hour. Yeah. Yeah, about an hour at that. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview and we will catch up with you guys once that is wrapped up. All right, we are joined by Alex Raniemi of Altitude Sports Radio, otherwise known as Raj. Raj, how are you doing today? Not half bad, guys. Ready for the season to start in a couple of days here. And uh, yeah, it's been three NHL seasons in about a year and a half. And uh, this should hopefully be the best of the last three here in Denver. No kidding. I mean, we were we were talking about that on our last episode. The, the last kind of year and a half has just felt like several seasons altogether, like one big fever dream ever since the bubble started. And we're so ready to just have a, a somewhat normal season with normal divisions and normal games to get underway, even with the Olympics coming in as a bit of a break. But we'll take that as a break over the breaks that we've had over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's for certain. We haven't seen NHL players in the Olympics for, what is it, six years now. And um, what was it going back to Sochi, I think, in, in 2014. And uh, you think about the last Avs Cup team in 2001 to have a lot of Olympians on that team. Um, I, I think this Avalanche team that's going to have a really good shot at winning a cup is going to have just as many. You could see as many as six, seven, eight Olympians out of this roster on, on the very high side of the projection. So, um, yeah, I agree. If we're going to have a break this year, it better be an Olympic break. Um, and that's that's one we'll, we'll certainly take. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, when we look at the projected Olympic rosters, the Avalanche might have some of the most Olympic players of any team in the NHL. When you really look at it down from Nathan McKinnon and McCarr down, to even some of the, the depth guys like Burakovsky and maybe possibly even Devon Tays as a, an outside shot on Team Canada. What effect do you think the Olympics will will have on this season for the Avalanche with potentially so many players going overseas to China? Um, we've spoken with a lot of players at, uh, you know, post-practice interviews and media availability. Most re recently was Gabe Landeskog, captain, uh, speaking about how the, uh, the advent of the Olympics coming back and being a possible captain for Team Sweden is, is on the horizon for him. They're all excited about it. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's their their focus right now. Certainly with the international players, it does feel like there's a, a large sense of pride there. Um, international being, you know, uh, obviously not the United States-born players with the Avs when, you know, Eric Johnson's played in two Olympic teams. Jack Johnson just recently signed today uh, out of his PTO contract on two Olympic teams with Eric, no relation. Um, I, I don't think it's taking away any focus from this team. Um, I, I think it might definitely be a, a source of, of pride and a little bit uh, – it could be that pushing factor to play just a little bit better in the first half of the season. As I say that, it might not be what a lot of abs fans want to hear as my dogs are, are buzzing behind me right now. 
Um, Mine's doing the same. Don't worry. Yeah, they 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 just they just got off of a hike. They're excited to see everyone. <laughs> um, but I, I think it might be that little push that guys are looking for in the first half of the season. That, again, as I say that, there might be a lot of ABS fans that are like, "Hey, you know, first half of the season, big whoop. We don't care about that. We care about what happens in the second half of the postseason." Um, I, I could see. I wanted to ask this question to Eric Johnson in um, in preseason and training camp. Was hey, is, is there is there an outside shot that you think you could you could have to make as a seven or an eight, you know, coming off of a couple couple of injury filled years? I never asked the question to him. Um, I, I wish I had. I don't think he really has a shot at making that United States team, but he is a he's a linchpin in what might be a successful year for the Avs this year. And who knows if he can find a way to to make that successful? I don't think it's going to be a hindrance on this team. I think it's going to be a driving force. Yeah. So Raj, you talk about. Uh, Eric Johnson coming back, and we know with the Devon Taves injury, uh, we're going to see players like Jack Johnson, maybe even Justin Barron. Who do you think out of the uh, defenseman we have there is going to be the one who needs to step up the most this year? Johnson and Byram, uh, both Johnsons, I would say. You need to have Eric Johnson be healthy. He is, if you speak with Mark Rycroft at all, who's um, you know part of the, the Altitude television broadcast, former Av and all that stuff, um, as most of our listeners definitely know here, uh, he says Eric Johnson's the biggest piece on this team uh, in terms of their success moving forward, in terms of physicality, his, his ability to, to move guys out from the net front, which is uh, what a lot of people thought that the abs were going to struggle with in the postseason and end up being their Achilles heel and get some knocked out in the second round for the third consecutive year. He thinks Eric Johnson is the guy. If Taves is going to be injured for the first you know, month, month and a half or so, I think Jack Johnson needs to step in. He's not a guy that you can uh, rely upon as if you would 10 years ago when he was with Columbus as an assistant captain making, you know, making his nut in the league. But if you can get 16 minutes a night out of him, that's okay. And they have to be sheltered minutes, right? He's again, it was, it was in 2015, right? So that's six years ago where he led Columbus in hits and he led them in shorthanded ice time. He's going to be able to guy or going to be a guy who can play hard in the corners, who can block shots for you. But if he's playing in a lot of five on five situations, he might get exposed. Um, the same goes with Curtis McDermott, who again, a big bruising guy. He's the, he's the player that the Avs brought in to, to be yep. that physical presence if you've been watching training camp, McDermott gets skated by those top six players in the abs, whether it's Burakovsky, Rantanen, McKinnon, uh, Landeskog, Newhook even. He gets burned by on the outside. Can he hold his own in front of the net? He sure can. But with Taves being out, I think Jack Johnson is the guy that you have to key in on. And then if Bowen Byron can stay healthy, he is – guys, he's up to pace. He's He's ready. He's ready to step in. If he can be healthy, he is a legit top four defenseman on this team, top five guy, depending on how you want your pairings. Uh, McCarr and Taves are going to be fantastic. Gerard, if he if he steps up his game uh, like he did last year, especially on the offensive side, is going to be a top two pairing guy. And if Johnson can stay healthy, who knows what Byron's able to do, but he certainly has the higher upside than any of the guys I just spoke about. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Justin Barron? Uh, have you seen a lot at camp about him or what are your thoughts? Cause in the games, he he's, he's looked pretty good. So he's, I, I'm interested to see. He's so close. It's so funny. Cause he's, he's right there. And I think just because of how deep the abs defensive core is that he's not necessarily ready to step in as, as a coach, 
as a developer of talent, I would want him to be down in the American League and do the Miko Rantanen year, right? You know, Rantanen was a number 10 overall pick out of Finland. He was the number one rated European skater in his draft year. And they sent him to what was then the San Antonio Rampage, now the Colorado Eagles, uh, as, as American Hockey League affiliates change year in and year out. Um, I would rather him, I'd rather see him go to, to the Eagles. I, I really would play a whole year there if and when they want to, you know, pick him and, and take him up for a game or two or a, a couple weeks at a time, go ahead. And if he happens to blossom into an NHL ready defenseman in that time, bring him up in a full role, possibly bring him up for the playoffs as the, as the rosters expand and you have the ability to bring black aces up and stuff like that. I, I just don't know if he has – there's not enough ice for him. As much as I hate to say it, there's not enough ice for jo, for Justin Barron to play right now. Next year, that changes. Or if injuries happen, that changes, right? If someone gets hurt, like, that, that's your guy. It, it It's not a bad problem to have, right? It's a first-world problem for the Avs to say, like, hey, we got, like, you know, we got, like, eight, nine defensemen that we can handle on an NHL roster. That kind of sucks. Like, some guys aren't going to make it, and some guys aren't going to play a lot. But, you know, when guys go down with injury – it's nice to have a stable of three, four guys that you can kind of count on. Absolutely. I, I, I wish, I, I wish I could say he's ready right now, Christian. I, I, I really, I really do. I think he's, I think he's a, a small step behind where Byram was last year. So if that's a little bit of a, a, of a gauge or a barometer for you, that's the best I can say. He's a small step behind Byram last year, but he's knocking on the door. Absolutely. And when it comes to to Justin Barron, it's just such a luxury to have a player like yeah. that, especially on such a stacked decor where you already have potentially one of the best defensemen of the generation in Makar. And then a kid like Byram, who's stepping in this year, you have the luxury of being able to develop a Justin Barron for another year with the defensive right. depth that the Avalanche have. But if we can switch this conversation a little bit to the offensive side of the puck and coming out of training camp, Sampo Ranta and Alex Newhook impressed a lot, especially Sampo Ranta, even with the, the four penalties he took <laughs> in the final game. But it's seemingly there are two spots left on the roster for three players down to Sampo Ranta, Alex Newhook, and Mikhail Maltsev. Which of those two do you think will be starting on opening night based on what we've seen out of training camp? Um, Ranta's impressed on the offensive side. He has the pace to keep up with his team. He has the size to keep up with his team. I don't know if he has the physicality yet. Um, he has that in his game. I think that's the the prototype that he plays like is this this larger power forward style. Um, I think Maltsev has already shown that he can do that in the National Hockey League. I think Maltsev with his 6'3", 6'4", frame ends up finding a roster spot earlier than all those guys. I I would venture to say that Ranta might be the odd man out just because of how young he is. Um, might need a little bit more seasoning down in the American League. I think he's the... He's certainly, he's certainly more ready than uh, Shane Bowers or uh, Martin Cowdes. Um, and again, when you're picked that late in, in a first round, as I'm speaking about Cout, um, and obviously Ranta coming through the, through the, the collegiate ranks and going through Minnesota, it's going to take a couple of years to, to really adjust to the pro-level style game. I, I think Maltsev is the guy. I, I, they've utilized him both on PK and on power play during training camp. He's a big body. Uh, he's sound defensively. I think, I think Maltsev's a guy that could probably, if he can give you 10 goals this year, nine goals this year, that's something that should, should really be exciting. Um, I, you look at the roster, you have to, you have to fill 60 goals almost this year, right? Don Scoy was scoring on nearly a 25 goal pace over 82 games last year. Sod scored on a 20 goal pace 
over 82 games last year. Pierre-Edouard Belmar, for all of his uh, offensive ineptitudes, was scoring on a 15-goal pace last year. If you paced over 82 games, that's, that's 60 goals right there, essentially. Maybe a little south of it, but let's you know let's round up and see. You got to you got to find sixty goals somewhere. Maltzeb can take ten off of that. Newhook, you got to hope he can take fifteen. Um, they haven't been as excited with Newhook's defensive play. And again, coming from the college ranks, it's really tough to be a defensively sound hockey player. That's the reason why I think Maltzeb has the higher the the step up on both Newhook uh, and Samporanta at this time. I, does he have a higher ceiling? Hell no, not a chance. Newhook's, Newhook's got a, a ceiling through the roof. And, and there were a lot of teams that wish they had their hands on Sample Ranta as he was coming out of being a golden gopher. And luckily enough, Joe Sackick, you know, hoodwinked the league yet again. Um, <laughs> you could say that the only time that he's been beaten as a GM has been with the Kemper trade. And, you know, if you ask a lot of guys around the league, it could be a small upgrade over a Vezin Trophy finalist last year. So, uh, again, who knows? It, it, to, to make a, a long answer, as you guys just heard, short, Maltsev is the higher step. Going off of that with the forwards, do you – you mentioned how we lost a ton of depth. Do you think those young guys can fill that role, or are we going to have to be at the trade deadline hoping we can acquire one of those top guys at the trade deadline? You better hope you can because you don't have draft picks to trade because, uh, unfortunately, as as we just said – Sackett got backed into a corner when Grubauer left for Seattle and he had to dish the only first rounder that he had available to him uh, going into the trade deadline this year. So you were, you were hoping that that Grubauer stays, you don't have to trade that first rounder to go out and get a, you know, any, any one of the players, right. It could have been, you, you possibly lose Landeskog, you lose Grubauer. Who knows if you lose a, a couple other pieces, you need to fill in, you know, a second line left winger or a, a second line defenseman, something like that. You were going to have to move that pick. It ends up happening. I, I don't think you have the ability to make a move at the trade deadline unless you're giving up a big name prospect, right? Unless you're moving a unless you're moving a Justin Barron or a Ranta or a New Hook to get a a established and bona fide National Hockey League player. Those are the only chips that you have to deal with this year going into the trade deadline. You have to hope that they're ready. I, I think New Hook's ready to to pot goals. I don't know how how great he's going to be on the defensive side of the puck. I really don't. He might be a black hole. Uh, luckily enough that the abs, you know, possess the puck better than almost any other team uh, amongst the advanced stat category over the last like 20 years in terms of puck possession, Forsyth, Fenwick, whatever you want to look at. This abs team last year and this year should possess the puck better than almost any team in the last two decades. That's going to be able to shelter some of these young guys. Um, uh, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to go out and make moves unless you give up someone who's who's a coveted prospect. You don't you don't have the draft picks to do it. Yeah, I completely think- agree with that. And if we if we look at something you brought up there, one of the points of emphasis I think for this season is going to be that second line for the Avalanche, especially plugging in Val Nachushkin instead of Brandon Saad on that top yeah. line, especially if Newhook or Ranta isn't going to be up there. Do you think that Val Nachushkin can be a long term solution on that second line? I mean, he's Val Nachushkin's probably the best defensive forward that you have. And Nachushkin had what 10 goals last year. So if you multiply that by 1.44, that's a 15 goal pace over 82 games. Um, he has the ability to get snake bitten on the offensive side of the puck, where you, you know, we saw it in the playoffs where it just seemed like 13 should have scored more often than he did. He's got that great net drive. Um, 
he's sneaky fast for as big as he is, right? This is a guy that when he came out of Russia, it was touted as like the next Alexander Ovechkin. And I, I know we hear that all the time, right? Like you saw Pavel Bure in the nineties and the early two thousands. Every thought, everyone thought that uh, like Maxim Afanaganov was going to be the next Pavel Bure, right? And then he plays six years and then you never hear from Maxim Afanaganov again. That's kind of what happened with Nachushkin being a first round pick and not scoring for nearly two NHL seasons. He comes to Colorado and he turns a new page. Has he scored at a high clip? No, but he's been the best defensive four that the Az have had over the last two and a half, three seasons. Um, when Nachushkin goes from being a really good piece of the roster, having a legit, a legit role on that third line to being even sh- like shinier of a diamond in the rough is when he can score a 20 goal pace. If you get 20 goals out of Valerian Nachushkin, he's going to look at a big contract coming up. Absolutely. And continuing on that second line a bit with Val Nachushkin, I think if Val scores 20 goals, you're, you're dancing all the way to the yeah. bank. Even, yeah, you're even, laughing. Yeah, even with the upcoming contract talks, you're dancing all the way to the bank. You couldn't even get that from Burakovsky over the last few years. And on the topic of Burakovsky. I think Burakovsky scores 30 this year. That is 30. exactly what I was going to ask. I was. 30. I agree yeah. with that. I think Berkey's going to score 30 goals this year. We were talking wow. earlier about replacing a lot of those goals that departed in the offseason. I think Berkey's going to be a big part of that. But how important is Andre Burakovsky going to be this season? And can this finally be the year that he rounds out his game? He's vital. Absolutely vital. I When they got him from Washington, I wondered whether or not they gave up the wrong player. Because it was always, is it Burakovsky or is it Evgeny Kuznetsov? And Kuznetsov struggled, struggled last year. And everyone thought that Evgeny Kuznetsov was like, all right, I, I, I know, right? <laughs> right? Everyone thought that Kuznetsov was the guy, right? He's going to be the one to step into, into Nick Backstrom's role and be, you know, the next center for the next 10 years. And he struggled last year. I'm not saying that Kuznetsov is, uh, is burnt or he's a bust. Now he's not. He's going to be a great hockey player. But that was the thought. When I saw them grab him from Washington, I was like, did, did they just get the better of the two players? And I, Burakovsky, I, I say it on the show all the time with, you know, uh, or between the pipes on, on 92.5 as I give a, a shameless plug here. <laughs> he, he doesn't know how to not score a pretty goal. Every goal this guy scores is highlight reel, right? It's, it, it's, it's over the glove, off the elbow and in. It's, it's a, this little tiny toe drag off the six inch dot and in. It's like, he scores beautiful goals. And if he can find a way to allow Jared Bednar to break up that top line when they need more scoring depth, like if you can, if you can drop either a Rantanen or Elanis got down to that second line and elevate Burakovsky up to the first line to spread out your goals and spread out your production, I think that's where he can be his most valuable. Um, it's funny. You think about wingers on this team. In the defensive zone, Landeskog is the harder player to play against physically, right? He's a son of a bitch to go into a corner against. I would say that Burakovsky is more of a sure out on the breakout than Landeskog is because I think Burakovsky moves his feet more than Landy does. That's the one thing. I love Gabriel Landeskog. He's a fantastic hockey player, one of the best leaders in the game, certainly one of the best leaders ever to wear an Avalanche jersey. Uh, in this team's history dating back to 1995, 1996 and beyond with the Quebec Nordiques days. Uh, what Landis Gog has a tough time doing when he's not playing at the top of his game is he'll receive those breakout passes and his feet are stuck in the mud or he's moving down ice. Burkowski doesn't really get into that. Burkowski's always moving up. Does he try and make the extra move too many times? Yes. 
get that out of his out of his game, chip puck, send it across, and get your ass up ice. Which is funny. It sounds like I'm talking to a 14 year old right now, but <laughs> this is a guy who I I do believe is going to score 30 goals in the National Hockey League this year in Burakovsky. I, I think he's going to be able to give Bednar the ability to really trust breaking up that top line and starting to uh, to distribute some of his scoring through his top, you know, top nine forwards. Yeah, absolutely. Burakovsky, he's a guy that I have followed throughout his entire career since day one in Washington. Ever since the Avalanche acquired him, I was ecstatic about that pick for him. He's been significantly better in Colorado than he was in yeah. Washington, and I completely agree. I think that's all going to, to culminate in – I think at least a 30 goal year. There is no one better at that stop wind up wrist shot. I think in the mm-hmm. NHL, maybe other than Austin Matthews, Burakovsky is top tier when it comes to that shot. And from what I've seen from him in the preseason, just all the, the puck has just been on a string for him and defensively That's he's good. improved as well. I just, he I can't wait good. to see what he's going to bring to the table in this regular season. And if, if Val improves his offensive skills that second line has the potential to you're not even really going to notice the drop off from sod. Right. I think it's honestly, sh- Oh, go for it, Raj. Go for it. No, it, it's a shame. You're going to lose son. Right. Like that's a, that's a guy that I think he overperformed, you know, on a 20, 25 goal pace last year, but you got, I think you got what you wanted out of him and more. You had to know that, that Saad wasn't ever re-signing back here. That was a one-year deal to make sure that Saad could go sign a long-term deal elsewhere. As much as people hated to see him leave, you were never getting Brandon Saad back, regardless if he was great with you or if he was horrible. He happened to perform just above uh, just above expectation. Um, I, I don't see why there's certain players in this team that can't that can't pick up that slack as great as Nathan McKinnon was last year, guys. He was fantastic, right? One of the one of the top three players in the world. He only potted 20 last year, right? That's a 28-goal pace for a guy that has been in the top three of the MVP voting over the last four years. That's a 28-goal pace. Are you kidding me? 28 goals for a guy who's going to win the Hart Trophy? I'm, I'm not saying he underperformed, but you're telling me Nathan McKinnon can't score on a 40-45 goal pace this year, right? There's 60 goals to be to be added up. McKinnon could, could <laughs> count for a third 20, of them. Right, no doubt. He could, he could count for 25 to 40% of those goals, depending on how great his year is. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that one bit. Um, the the last player on that second line we need to talk about is Nazem Kadri. When I was looking at your Twitter uh, a couple nights ago, I, I saw you guys were talking about um, if they if Kadri had felt like his teammates had lost the trust in him. Um, do you think he has a bounce back year? Because he, he struggled mightily last year compared to what we had the first year with him. Yeah, you know, 11 goals last year, uh, had a tough time staying on the power play, right? When you saw him that first year, he was that, he was the fifth man yep. on that, on that power play one unit. And it's funny, I, I always look back to the year prior to him coming to Colorado, where the Avs played against Toronto and Toronto scored like five or six straight uh, in what was then called Pepsi Center. And three of them were on the power play. And it was this beautiful little play where they go, uh, the half wall with, I, I want to say it was like Nylander or someone down to Tavares below the goal line. And then they pop back up to, uh, to Kadri in the middle is that little bumper. They scored three power play goals just like that. And you were, you were sitting looking like that. How do you, how do you do it? How do you make it look that clean? And they got Kadri the next year and he made it work in the power play one unit. I, I don't think he's lost his teammates. I certainly think he's lost the fan base. Um, he hasn't lost 
he hasn't lost hockey players. He hasn't lost like hockey guys. Cause you see, you see how just damn good of a center is. He's a legit number two center on any team in the league. He wins between 50 and 55% of his faceoffs. Any team, any coach, any GM is going to take that and run away with it, right? If you have a guy who wins 50 to 55% of his draws, he needs to be on the ice for a, a, a majority of the time. Um, does he bounce back to a 30 goal pace like he was in Toronto? Probably not. If you can get 20 to 25 out of him, I think that's good, but he's got to find a way to be consistently on a power play unit. Um, he'll be on the PP two. He won't be on number one right now. You know, Comfort is kind of sprinkled in on there. Although I'd, I'd like to see Kadri in there instead of Comfort because I don't have much, I, I don't have much, much confidence in JT after what he did last year. He just didn't have a good year. Um, you know, he's been quoted as saying that he was disappointed himself. So who knows, maybe he bounces back. It's, you know, year to year in the league, he'd be a different player. Um, Kadri has, Kadri can have, you know, I'll put it this way. Nazem Kadri could score 40 goals this year in the regular season. And if he gets suspended again in the postseason, nothing matters. matters. Nothing matters. He could, yeah. he could, guys, he could win the Hart Trophy this year. He could he could outpace Connor McDavid. He could score 40 goals, add 75 assists, which, again, this is fantasy land. It's not going to happen. <laughs> he could score 125 points and win the Hart Trophy. If he gets suspended or if he if he takes a, an ill-timed penalty, if he takes a, a retaliatory penalty that ends up costing the Avs either a game or a series, nothing will matter. I hate to say it because I love the player. I think he's a good guy, but you, he's, it's binary. It's one or zero for him right now. That's it. Yeah. There's a reason why Toronto got rid of him. There's a reason why. Yeah. So this is the whole reason he came here in the first place. And and I'd argue if that happens again, this postseason, I'd argue his NHL career would be over because who's going to sign him. It would be in jeopardy. Yeah. Not not even just suspending him forever. Like who would go out and sign him knowing that this guy if it does happen, has been suspended four of the last five postseasons and has cost his team in all of them. Because in yeah. that Vegas series, if Kadri is there, I don't know if it changes the dynamic of the series, but it certainly helps the center depth, which is where the Avalanche had that significant advantage over Vegas. You get to game seven, I can tell you that. Who knows if they win, right? Because those are two damn good teams. Those are the, the two best teams in the National Hockey League, and they were separated by zero points, no points. Yeah. right? you Zero points. Literally the tiebreaker. So, right. It, it's it's one ver- one A versus one B that year, and and one A versus one B is a stretch at that point. Do you, you probably get to a seventh game, and at that point, who the hell knows? But uh, I I I think I can confident, confidently say if he's in that series, you don't lose in six. No, you don't lose. You don't lose four straight at least. No. 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 Definitely not. And if we if we can continue on that topic of the second round and that loss to Vegas. This isn't something that I necessarily believe, but something that I've thought of a little more as time's gone on this offseason. The Avalanche, no matter how you slice it, have lost in the second round three straight times in a row. And I would make the argument and some fans would make the argument that different circumstances and yada, yada, can you can, you can make some form of excuse no matter what. But if the Avalanche can't get out of the second round this year or suffer some kind of disappointment, would that put Jared Bednar on the hot seat the next coming season? with all the expectations that this team have been under? Uh, yeah, if they're out before the conference final, I would say yes. I think if they make it to it, like, uh, you're putting me into a spot here, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy who's not going to answer a question because it drives me crazy when guys don't give you a straight-up answer. Um, it is make it to a cup final or bust this year for this team. If he does not get the abs to a cup final this season, he should be on the hot seat. 
I think his I think his players love him. Um, I think he's a damn good coach. I think he unfortunately has kind of lost out on his ability to, to win a Jack Adams award because now he has such a damn good team that unless you go through a, a record breaking season, win another president's trophy, he might not he might not get a chance to win a, a Jack Adams with this team. I thought he should have won it a couple of years ago. He should have won it a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's got like a 620 winning percentage since he took over a team that had 48 points. It's bonkers, right? He's done a great job. He took a team from um, last to the playoffs in one year and didn't even get considered. Right. So I think he's a great coach. I think his team needs to perform better in the playoffs. I think he and his general manager have done the requisite moves to make sure that they have the physicality to compete in the playoffs. They found a way to keep the key guys in the system and in the roster um, that they've needed. But if they fail to get past the second round this year, he should be, he should be seriously in a hot seat. I don't think he should be fired. You have to look at, I, I always look, I always look back at the Tampa Bay lightning and John Cooper. Cooper took over that team in 2013. They missed the playoffs the first year. Then they got bounced in the second round. They got bounced in the conference final. They lost in the Stanley Cup final. They missed the playoffs either the next year or the year afterward. And then they went through the years of losing cup final, conference final, conference final, bounced in the first round by Columbus, and then they went back-to-back cups. There were many years in that seven-year span of Cooper taking over the team in 2013 and missing the playoffs and winning their first cup in 2020 where you you could have looked at that roster and said, Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, and you know a smattering of other players who've now now filtered in, you know, all the, the former Rangers retreads of the, <laughs> the Strawmans and the McDonough's and the Ryan Callahan's and all that. You, you can take all those types of players and say – you had all the talent, right? You you had a, uh, you had one of the greatest goal scoring threats of the last twenty years in Steven Stamkos, regardless of his injuries, and you couldn't get it done. You had a legit number one defenseman in Victor Hedman, and you couldn't get it done. You had Andre Vasilevsky for the first couple of years, and you couldn't get it done. They stuck with him, and now they have a chance to be a back to back to back Stanley Cup champion. I would. I would tell a lot of Avs fans that are wishing for Bednar's head now, and we're wishing for that after the second the, the second round playoff exit to like pump the brakes just a little bit, right? The Avs the Avs organization made a horrible decision years ago when they fired Joel Quenville, right? You got rid of one of the best coaches in the history of the game. That was a miserable decision by the organization. They should be held accountable for it. I don't think they're going to make the same the same mistake. I'm not saying Bednar's Joe Quenville. I'm not saying he's going to be the greatest coach in the history of the game or, you know, win. Well, he might win three cups like, like Quenville did with the Blackhawks. But um, I, I don't think they're going to rush and make a, a rash decision if the team doesn't win a cup this year, right? Um, if they do something crazy and miss the playoffs or get bounced in the first round or swept in the second round, they might get goaded into it. Um I think he's here to stay, man. I, I really do. The players love him. The organization loves him. That, that's what I think too, is it's, you can't rush these type of decisions. If he has a locker room that loves him and they play hard for him, you can't, you can't push him out the door. I mean, who's, yeah. who are you going to bring in? Are you going to bring in if, if you bring in like a Barry Trotz, maybe, but who are you going to bring in? That's going to be a better coach than Bednar. Who? Exactly. And no even on, there. even on the topic of Barry Trotz, as Raj was just saying with John Cooper, 
the Washington Capitals in 2018 got bounced in the second round so many years in a row. And even after winning a president's trophy, you can draw a parallel with Colorado yeah. there. They got bounced they certainly by Pittsburgh. Can. Yeah, they got bounced by Pittsburgh two years in a row. And several times, even that season, Trotz was almost fired and goes on. The Sidney Crosby effect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I think Barry, if he was if he was on the podcast right now, would tell you if if a certain number eighty seven wasn't in the lineup, it would have been the same the same story. He's, Capitals he's, would have like five Stanley Cups if it wasn't for Crosby, <laughs> man, without a doubt. And don't don't remind me you're gonna get you're gonna get me on a Capitals rant. Speaking of Crosby, speaking of Crosby, and I want I, I don't want to let the slide that the last playoff game, um, Nico Ranton is putting in a a Crosby esque style of tip play on the power play. If you guys didn't see it, yeah, or oh, if anyone awesome. listening, oh, so right, pretty. If anyone listening to the pod hasn't seen it, go back. I think the app's Twitter has popped it out a couple of times. I'm I'm certain the NHL is throwing it out. It's this little play where he's a left-handed player on the the right wing side of the ice, right? So his blade, you know, he's facing back up towards his defensive end. His blades on the left side of his body, away from the net, and you see your top defenseman walking across the zone. He throws this hard, hard snap pass right onto his tape. And it's almost this zero angle goal where you just kind of open up your blade and and almost chop at it and just try and take all the, all the pace off of it and just get it, you know, between three and four feet in the air. So you can get up over the goalie's elbow. It's something that Sidney Crosby has been the best in the league at doing. Ranton is starting to do it this year. Don't be surprised if he scores three, four, five times during the regular season on that. It's it's a gorgeous play. It it was one of the I, I hated that there wasn't a broadcast for it because watching that replay, it was one of the prettiest goals I think I've seen in yeah. a long time. And 100%. Griffin and I Griffin and I were talking about this on the last podcast. We both personally think Miko Ranton's gonna score 50 goals this year. Wow. I I, I just think that guy is a man on a mission and with McKinnon, I think he's going to make a push for the rocket Richard. Okay. That is my, that's my bold prediction for the year. I mean, he scored 34 last year. Was it 34 goals? Um, in, the ballpark, the in the ballpark with that, I could pull that up yeah. in a quick second. He scored 30 last year in 52. Yeah. So I think he's just going to blossom even more into the player we're seeing. I mean, in the three preseason games he's played, that's three goal goals. Pace. Yeah. He, I think that's my bold prediction for the year with the abs. I think Miko Ranton's going to score 50. I really do. And I think he'd, he's be a, first, he'd be the first since Milan Hayduk did it, right? That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, the, 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 abs, the abs hadn't had a, a rocker shard winner since Hayduk won it. Um, I don't know if Hayduk may have, may have shared that trophy when I he won he it. I think he did. Um, I think the next close is probably like Americ Svados when he, yeah. when he went nutso for a 40-goal season. Yeah. Um, I, I don't – if there's any player on the roster that's going to win a Richard, it's Rantanen. Um, I, I don't know if McKinnon ever wins one. I, I don't think he's a 50-goal scorer. I'm not – I still think he's one of the top three players in the world. I don't think he's a 50-goal scorer. I think he has much more to, to offer you as a playmaker. Um, I, I would agree with you, Christian, that that Rantanen might be the guy. It's not that big of a jump, right? It's a 44-goal nope. pace last year. It's another six goals. He's got he's got a lot of guys that he has to contend with, especially like McDavid's, the the Dry Sidles, and and certainly the Austin Matthews of the world. If he wants to win that Richard Trophy, he's probably going to have to hit like 55, 56 this year. Right. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Um, he's being paid like that, and he has not he has not underperformed since he signed that deal. Um, I would tell I tell betters this year, uh, Nico Rantanen starts hot. 
Yes. Starts starts hot when he comes out of a out of an off season. Starts hot when he comes out of a uh, out of an injury. Bet on Rantanen on his over goals in the first like one two three games of the season. I promise you, you're going to come out on top. Yep. Um, I, I wouldn't tell you ever to bet against Nathan McKinnon, <laughs> but if you're looking like, oh, who's going to score tonight? Games one, two, and three. Ninety six is your guy. Hammer the over on goals for Rantanen over his first like one two three games, and you're going to walk away in the plus side. I, I agree. I, I'm excited to see him. I'm just really like this team is just so exciting. So um, uh, do you think Darcy Kemper can replace what Philip Grubauer did last year? Uh, a lot of people around the league do believe he can. There's a lot of people who think he is a, a minimal upgrade over Grubauer. I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet. Uh, certainly the bigger netminder. Both of them have their injury histories and their injury troubles. Uh, if you look back to 2018, Kemper's got the best uh, uh, save percentage in the league with a minimum 100 percent or 100 starts. You know, if you if you look back towards 2018, Kemper's got the better save percentage, the better goals against average. He has the better goals saved above average, which is natural stat trick uh, stat, which is essentially telling you um, it's the war stat for goalies. If you're if you're familiar with war in baseball, it's you know here's the average goaltender in the league. This is what they're meant to save, and and Kemper was you know, 16.2 or something like that over those three seasons. When he's healthy, he's damn good. Uh, you saw that against Arizona in the bubble. He was the only reason why Arizona was there and got past Nashville. The only reason why they were even sniffing winning a game or two against Colorado, right? Did, did Arizona get did shelled? Did he have five, six goals scored on him? He certainly did, but he was a damn good goaltender in that series. Uh, I think – I think the abs and their forwards are happier that they're playing with him than, than against him. Um, it sucks that you had to give up a first round pick. I think he can be a replacement level player for Grubauer. If he is, he'll be a Vezina finalist. Hey everybody. Hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor DraftKings Sportsbook. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so this is as safe of a bet as I think you might get ever. And if DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. They are here for you because everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports contest and they're not done yet because DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit all you got to do is simply deposit the money into your account however much you want and you will get a free shot at millions of dollars so what are you waiting for there's no reason to not download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for detail. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, and I would tend to agree on that with Kemper is just we don't really know with him yet because with Arizona, they really let him get shelled night in and night out. And 
he almost seems like the kind of goalie that thrives in that situation with facing so many shots. So I think he is going to be somewhat of an upgrade on Grubauer if he's healthy, which is a big caveat. If he's healthy, this whole, this boat, this goalie tandem, the entire caveat is their health. And like we were talking about last episode, we're already seeing the, the downsides of it with Francois potentially missing a few weeks, but Kemper is going to be probably one of the biggest deciding factors of this season for Colorado. If he can't stay healthy or just the fit isn't there, it's going to be a much bigger challenge than anticipated. I would say to, to win the division and to hopefully win the Stanley cup down the line. But we talked some, we've talked about Vegas at the series last year, getting out of the second round and all the pieces that need to work for this season. The big question surrounding the avalanche and any team around the NHL is the only one that really matters. Is this going to be the year for the Avalanche when June ends and we go to free agency? Will the Avalanche be hoisting the Stanley Cup? I said it last year. I, I said it last year. It should have been. And, and I, from game one, I said, that's your Stanley Cup champion. Uh, I was not alone in my praise. I certainly was not alone in my predictions. Uh, looking across the media landscape, looking across hell, Vegas thought they were going to win it last year, just like they do this year. Um, and, and Vegas is is more often correct than they are not. And, <laughs> and sorry, Vegas, the casino, Vegas, not necessarily exactly. the, the team, the team wearing gold, uh, <laughs> dark gray and white. Um, but I, I think it, I think it is right. I, I hate to, I hate to be that guy, right? I, I know I broadcast for the team. Um, I would shoot you straight if I said I didn't think they could do it. I, I don't believe that they should be the betting favorite to win the cup this year after last year's second round exit. Um, I, I know there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of numbers going into Tampa not being the odds on favor. I know the abs are like plus 300 right now. Tampa's probably plus 350 or plus 400, depending on what book you get it at, which is not it, right. That that difference that big is is, is certainly minimal. Um, there's probably a lot of, a lot of math that goes into saying like, Hey, like no one three peats in the NHL. It just simply does not happen. Um, I would still say that Tampa should be the betting favorite to win the cup this year. I think the app should be a very close second. Um, that may change and fluctuate throughout the year, but my answer is, yeah, it, this is the season. It should happen. This should start. I, I said it last year. This is a decade where I think the Avalanche, the Rangers, and Tampa should combine for like six of the next 10 cups. Um, I think the Rangers are still two or three years out from, from really getting there. I, I thought the Avs, their first year to win a cup was last year. was not the year before. It certainly was not two years prior when they were an eighth seed uh, and shocked the world by just manhandling Calgary. That that wasn't it. The first year that they were really able to win a cup was this past year when they lost in the second round to Vegas. Um, they have felt what pain and disappointment feels like when you're the number one team, when you have all right, the, the, the cup favorites or whatever is the famous quote that, that Nate McKinnon had before last year. Like I know they're the favorites or whatever, but you know, we're going to embrace it. I, I think they're going to embrace it again this year and they know how to get over the hump. Um, unfortunately in the national hockey league, you have to be not only your best and the best, but you have to get a little lucky both with injuries, bounces, um, who you play, stuff like that. So I, if they're going to be their best, they need a couple of things to go their way. Uh, done to my head, I'd say, yeah, they, they get it done first time in 20 years. Yeah. And I personally think the, the West is wide open. 
I mean, you got by far the two best teams are Colorado and Vegas. And I think there's a significant gap between those two teams and the rest of the Western Conference. So I think this is playing out to be a a rematch in the Western Conference Finals this year. I I really do. I just don't see any team in the West beating either of those teams. Mm -hmm. I I would – I would say Edmonton just because of the damn star power and the firepower that they have. I don't trust their defense. I don't trust their goaltending as far as I can throw them. But, I mean, McDavid and in, in, in that top line with Dreisaitl, Hyman adding him from Toronto, uh, you know, our old friend Tyson Berry had a pretty damn good year. Yeah. Is he a great defender? No, but he can certainly put up points in the power play. I think Edmonton could be a team that finally – starts to make some noise and gets to possibly a conference final or takes a, takes a team like a, like a Vegas to a seventh game in a second round and really scares you. Um, do I think they're as good of a team as Vegas? Certainly not. I, I think Vegas and Colorado, you, you hit it right on the head. Those are the two teams that should be playing in a conference final. And, you know, let's call a spade a spade. It should have been the conference final last year, but we had a really weird year exactly. where the two best teams in the league were playing in the second round. Right. Um, Luckily, we're not going to see it this year. Uh, you, you will most likely see Vegas in the conference final if you happen to advance to the third round. Um, and, and that's what that's what fans should be treated to. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I, I do think. Although Vegas, the, dude, I, 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 hate to, I hate to cut you off. Vegas. Oh, no, you're good. Just like Colorado didn't didn't really improve all that much this offseason. Vegas arguably took a step back. Right. Yeah, so, I'd agree. They absolutely yeah. did. Their their goaltending, which was the one the one real advantage they have had over Colorado right. the entire season, is no longer there. And right. underratedly, the fan base has kind of turned on Robin Leonard after the whole Mark Andre Fleury situation. A, a lot of the smarter Vegas fans understand that he's an un- outstanding goalie, but there's a portion of that fan base that just does not like Robin Leonard because of well, how they handled Fleury. Ask, ask the, the fans in Pittsburgh, ask Tristan Jari uh, and Casey DeSmith and, and hell, Matt Murray, who's no longer in Pittsburgh, uh, about what fans thought of those three goaltenders after they moved on from Florida, which I, I if you got to go back far in my Twitter to find it, but <laughs> I firmly believe that Pittsburgh threw away two or three cups in the Crosby era by saying, hey, we got this Matt Murray kid. You know, he's one, you know, he was great in his first playoff run. He essentially, essentially split a Stanley Cup with with Marc-Andre Fleury in the second Stanley Cup run of the two back-to-backs, they end up going with Murray as the younger player, and they ship him out just a year and a half later after he was terrible. A lot of fans of Pittsburgh are probably doing the same thing, and and Flower just continues to be a stud, right? I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets Chicago into the playoffs this year. No, not at all. Chicago is going to be a very – they're going to be a very interesting team to follow, but continuing on – Christian's point with Colorado and Vegas being pretty much the only two real favorites out of the West division. I personally think that a player like Nathan McKinnon, if he runs into Vegas again in the playoffs, especially with a trip to the Stanley cup final on the line, we're not going to get a repeat of last year with him where Vegas shuts him down. He's quiet for the middle portion of that series. I personally think the avalanche, if they can somehow manage to get to that point, where they can get some revenge on Vegas, I think they crushed them in that series, especially with the – they didn't improve their center depth either. No. Right. I mean, Nolan Patrick could be good, but you don't know if that guy's going to stay healthy. Yeah. Right. And I personally see this – drawing it back to the old days with the Avs, I think the 
Avs have kind of reversed roles with the Red Wings. Because if you remember, the Red Wings were the odds-on favorite at the beginning of the Avs Cup runs. And the Avs embarrassed them in six games in that 1996 season, the Avs first won the Cup. And the Red Wings came back that next year. And when they matched up with the Avs, they won. And I think the Avs can kind of flip the script this year with Vegas. I agree with you, Griffin. I I don't think Nathan McKinnon's going to get shut down again. There's just no way that he is going to let that happen. And we've seen the emotion from him just in that post-game interview. He is ready to win, and he is going to do it at whatever cost is necessary. Whatever there's cost. A, there's a difference in Nathan McKinnon. When, when I compare and contrast Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid, who are two magnificent hockey players, I'm always in awe when I watch uh, McDavid play, when I watch him skate. There is a difference – in McKinnon over McDavid that likens him to Sidney Crosby. And I can't say it in as colorful terms as I want to on air, but he has this FU factor that, that McDavid doesn't have yet might be able to grow into it. But Crosby always had that right. Crosby over his first, like three, four years in the league, he had that, that kind of whiner meant, you know, that whiner, uh, um, cry baby. Right. What's the, um, the, the word is, uh, is slipping my mind. It's what people thought of him, right? They, they thought he was a whiner or a crybaby. And, and what I saw it as was this guy who was just uber competitive, had always wanted everything and was not going to take no for an answer. And even though the, the Penguins struggled for his first couple of years before they really started making their run at their Stanley Cups in 2007, 2008, he was trying to find a way to get over that. And it was just this raw emotion that was kind of filling out. McKinnon's certainly over that that kind of juvenile emotional status, but I still think he has that FU, like wires are across, he's going to see red, and he's going to run through a wall. McDavid doesn't have that. Crosby does. McKinnon does. And I think that's what's going to take him to the next level, right? He's been amazing. He's one of the – like. He's one of the, the the best over his first handful of years in the postseason. He's one of the best postseason performers in the history of the National Hockey League. Uh, if you want to piss him off and make him even better, be my guest. He's – I, I agree with you guys. I, I don't think he lets it get by again. I, I really don't. There's a certain alpha male mentality that elite hockey players have, that elite athletes have, and, and he has it, right? There's there's not many guys in the world that can that can channel energy and emotion like that. And I think McKinnon can. Yeah, absolutely. And you you just look at all of the the pieces and the chemistry that this team has from a, a a leader, an emotional leader like McKinnon, and then kind of the, the good cop and Landeskog, like as we said earlier, one of the best captains in the league and all of the talent that they have underneath them. And you see sometimes with teams like this that their defense is weak, not the case with the abs. You have Kale McCarr, who is the understandably odds-on favorite to win the Norris this year, flanked mm-hmm. by Devontae's with a guy who's no joke in Sam Gerrard and all of the, all of the depth that this team has just, there's no, there's really no excuse to not get it done this year. And it's, we're obviously so far away from that point. And it's hard to even imagine the kind of circumstance that we'll be in at that point in May and June, but the way this team stands right now, even after their departures, just the growth of this team, I just don't see how they don't get it done at the end of the year. They're just too good. They've learned too much. They all the pieces just fit too well together for this to not end. Like you said, at least a trip to the final. I, guys, it takes time. And I, I know fans hate hearing it. it. It takes time to learn how to win a cup. It just doesn't exactly. happen. 
in one year. I wish I could tell you that it does. But as I just said, right, like you had you had Evgeny Malkin, you had Marc-Andre Fleury, you had a, a latter years Mario Lemieux, um, a Sidney Crosby, all on those Penguins teams, not to mention a, a Chris Letang. Um, uh, they had Billy Guerin on the or damn good Penguins yeah. teams or damn talented Penguins teams. It, it took four years for them to really find a way uh, to, to plow through and they had to lose in a Stanley cup final and then see one of their best players leave their team in Marion Hossa to go to Detroit and lose the following year. Right. So it, it takes teams and takes generational players, right. The Lemuse, the Malkins, the Crosby's, the, the flurries, the Latangs. And I hate to, to use the, the Penguins as, as that, uh, that sole example, but it takes them years to learn how to get over the hump and win a cup. I think they're right in the middle of that this year. Um, they they should get it done. They've taken their lumps. They've learned. It sucked. Uh, they underperformed last year. They failed last year. As, as simply and as plain as I can put it, last year was a failure. But good teams, great teams find a way to learn from failure and turn it into a success the following year, and I think they can do it. Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, you just you just look at not even just the Penguins, all of the Stanley Cup champions over the last decade or so, all of them. You look at the year before they won. They went through some sort of pain. Yeah, Christian said it with Detroit. Yeah. Tampa, obviously, before their back to back cups swept by Columbus, St. Louis, their whole history. And then game 82 the year before where they lost to the Avs to get into the playoffs. You have Washington, their whole history. Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. they they were talking about trading Malkin at a certain point. Then they win back to back cups. The Blackhawks and the Kings, even with their their eras of dominance, they still had their share of heartbreaking losses before that. We forget the Kings went their entire history without a Stanley Cup at that point, and the Blackhawks mm-hmm. were in a, a cup drought of their own. So you're absolutely right, Raj. This team. I think the recipe is there with the amount of heartbreak that they have suffered to form a championship mentality with guys like McKinnon and this entering their athletic primes at the right time as well with a guy like Rantanen, who we think can score 50 goals this season and McCarr entering his third full season. Just everything is, is there all the lessons, all the talent. just, I can't see a way they don't. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I completely I, agree. Completely agree. So, well, I don't have anything else. Griffin, you got anything else, man? I got I got one little thing before we wrap up. Maybe not as serious as everything else we've been doing so far. Raj, do you have any bold takes for this upcoming season? Anything that you feel like you haven't been able to get out? It doesn't have to be about the Avs. Just a bold take about the Avs and maybe for the NHL as a whole. Um, I think I think Carter Hart bounces back with Philadelphia. I think he's too damn good to to just go through that meat grinder of of Flyers goaltenders that it just seems like it has been, you know, all these years where you have guys, you know, like a Roman Chekmonic who could have been could have been great and has like a good year and then falls off the face of the planet. I think Carter Hart's got the guy who's going to bounce back. Um, I said this before Carey Price went into the player assistance program and, and we wish him the best of luck. Uh, I don't think Montreal makes the playoffs. Uh, as much as I like their young core, and this was before Yasperi Kakaniemi gets signed away by by Carolina, which is uh, uh, freaking hilarious. 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 It, One of the it best things all, I've seen in years. It is so an good. all-time troll drop. Like an, it, it, It's as if a social media manager who's just like really good at shit posting and really good at, at trolling 
just took over the GM reigns for the day because it was fantastic. Um, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs again. I like their young core. Uh, I, I really like Suzuki. I really like Caulfield. Um, I still believe in, in Carey Price when he's healthy and his mind is there uh, and he's not worrying about any addiction issues or anything like that off the ice. I th- still think he's got a lot left in his game. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this year. Um, I think Arizona is certainly going to struggle. Watch out for Jacob Chikrin. Um, He's a guy, if you guys are playing fantasy hockey, that I think you can yes. stash in like the Daily later fantasy rounds. fantasy king, Jacob Chikrin. He made me yeah. so much money last year. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's damn good. He's damn good. Um, I don't think I don't think Winnipeg or sorry, uh, uh, Vancouver and Calgary have as bad of years as they did last year. There, there's too many talented players. Um, I like Elias Pettersson and I like Brock Besser way too much. I think Thatcher Jet or Thatcher Demko is ready to step up I love uh, as a full time National Hockey League goalie out of out of Boston College. Um, I think they, I think they compete, right? That's a, that's a weaker division um, that Pacific division, right? You've got, you've got Vegas at the top. You have Edmonton number two, and then I don't know who's three and four. I, I really don't. Some people think it's Seattle. I personally, I don't think Seattle makes the playoffs. Um, I think they're close, but I don't think they make the playoffs. I think those last two, those last two spots are taken up by Calgary and Winnipeg this year, or I always say Winnipeg, Calgary and um, Vancouver. And Vancouver. I, I just think they're too damn good. You've got Quinn Hughes, Pedersen, Besser, uh, Horvat. You, you, you give me a roster like that, and you tell me that they're going to miss the playoffs? Come on. Um, you know, last year was last year was a little bit bizarre, but I, I really think that those two teams in Calgary and Vancouver have, have a shot at it against, you know, they're going up against those California teams. San Jose and Los Angeles and Anaheim are not going to be good enough this year to compete. Um, so I think it's three teams competing for the last two spots between Seattle, Vancouver, and Calgary. And I think the two, the two Canadian teams get in. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I'm pretty high on the Kings this year. Um, but after Byfield got hurt, I'm, I'm not nearly as high. Yeah. So I think the Kings in a couple of years, though, watch out. They're going to be – I think they're in that same category as the Rangers um, with their farm system is fantastic. And if, yeah, it is wonderful. Players, if those players pan out, LA is going to be a problem in a couple of years. Like they're going to be yeah, really you look, good. You look at all these former, these former elite NHL players that are taking over as GMs in the National Hockey League, and it starts with with Steve Eiserman and with Joe Sackick. And uh, as you said, you've got Chris Jury as the GM in New York. You have Rob Blake, who's who's got a stable of prospects in Los Angeles. Like those are those are some young teams. I think you're going to see more of these elite NHL players and elite NHL leaders uh, stepping into GM roles and taking. Uh, you know, taking the reins like like Sackick and Eisman did, but um, I, I I think I think LA is a couple of years away. I think they need to get away from Jonathan Quick. I, I think Quick he's done. Yeah. I think he's done too. But that Peterson kid is fantastic. Yeah, he's Al a stud. Peterson. He's a stud. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Al Peterson's real good, and he having Peterson as a one A and Quick as a one B might make Jonathan Quick that much better because Quick is just yep. such a squirrely goalie and puts so much just pressure on all of his joints when he plays playing less games at this point, his career might actually just make him better. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. You're talking about Olympics and, and Jonathan quick isn't in, uh, isn't in the, the conversation. It sucks, but Oh yeah. Yeah. He's going to so, be there, man. So, He's so, is, be there. so is life, you know, yeah, Such so is life. life. But Raj, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Christian, you don't have anything else for us to, 
No, nah, man, make sure you guys check Raj out on Between the Pipes after every Avs game on Altitude Sports Radio. Raj, thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, we really yeah, for appreciate sure. you coming on. Anytime, we'd love, to, we'd love to chat with you guys throughout the season. Fantastic stuff you guys got going on here. So thanks for having me. And, uh, hey, we're, you know, 72 hours from a, another NHL season. And hopefully this is this is the year where we get to have a big old parade in, in downtown Denver. 100%. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we, really, we really appreciate you coming on today, Raj. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. Fellas, be good. Thanks, Raj. And that was our talk with Raj of the Altitude Sports Network. And I said it before the interview, I will say it again. That was a ton of fun. Raj is just a goldmine when it comes to the avalanche. Yeah, he is fantastic. And I can't say enough good things. And I agreed with him a ton. There wasn't anything that I thought he said that was anything crazy or anything I didn't agree with. Um, And most importantly, he's kind of the same mindset we are. He thinks this is a Stanley Cup or bus team. So I, I'm excited for it and can't wait to have Raj on again, hopefully soon. Yeah, that would be a t- that would be awesome if we could get Raj on again sometime in the near future. And yeah, I agreed with pretty much everything that he had to say. I felt like he was spot on with just about everything that we brought up, especially with stuff like Justin Barron. And I think the, the biggest disagreement we've had was with Rantanen. And he was like, oh, maybe Ranton's around 45 instead of 50 yeah. goals. I think that was the farthest apart we ever were during the entire thing. But he re- he really kind of summed up a lot of my feelings about this team coming into this season and just how important certain players are going to be like Burakovsky, like Nachushkin, and just the potential consequences also if this team does not deliver in the postseason. Yeah, the, the one thing I found interesting is uh... – I'd heard a little bit about Newhook not being super, super ready for defensively in the league. Um, I think Raj kind of eased my concerns just because of how great of a goal scorer and playmaker he's going to be that you can afford to have those defensive laps. I know we haven't seen Newhook um, produce at a high point level, but he hasn't really been given the chance. So I just found that interesting because I, I would have thought Raj was kind of in the camp of concern, but he didn't sound super concerned about Newhook. No, if anything, that was the most rational take I've heard about Newhook in a long time. Because I, I yeah. even think I'm, I'll call myself out here. I think I overhyped Newhook a little bit here and put a lot of expectations on a 20 year old kid that's played six games in the NHL and scored. Exactly. He scored one goal against St. Louis, but at the end of the day, the kid's 20 years old, and we drafted him in 2019. It was not that long ago. And for him to already be in the spot that he's in, I'm not surprised that he has defensive shortcomings. I mean, it's the NHL, like Raj was saying, completely different game from the collegiate level. And for Newhook to already be here and be in the conversation for making the lineup is already outstanding. You know, I got carried away placing him on the second line, maybe, but. Yeah, I was not surprised by anything Raj had to say. If anything, like you, it eased all of my concerns that I might have had about Newhook because, again, maybe potential overreaction by me last episode. I say maybe Newhook doesn't make the team. Raj completely disagreed with that. And we'll maybe see Newhook in a bottom six role this year, maybe sneaking up onto that third line to play with Jost. And, you know, and to also ease the maybe disappointment of the expectations I had with Newhook, Sampo Ranta is going to be right there as well. One thing I wanted to bring up, but I just kind of slipped my mind, is we'll potentially see uh, those three players of Newhook, Maltsev, and Ranta just kind of circle in by committee every now and again, where Maltsev, I agree, is going to make the team, and Ranta may be the the odd man out, but 
there will probably be games where Newhook might be out for one and Ranta steps in, maybe one where Maltsev comes out. I mean, we talk about Maltsev like he's experienced. He's only 23. He's only two years older than Ranta, just more reliable defensively. But just depending on the situation game by game, we'll probably see those three guys rotate in and out depending on the situation each time. And I, I don't think it's a bad problem to have. Absolutely uh, you not. Can just, you can ride the hot hand a little bit and you give – uh, like what Raj was saying in the interview, you give players like Bowers and Cout another year of development. And I think Bowers is closer to the NHL yeah, um, than we think. I, I, I still think – I think he could have a monster year in the AHL this year. And if Cout stays healthy too, he was dominating last year before the, the season ended for uh, the Colorado Eagles. So I, it's not a bad problem to have. I think both of us just kind of got caught up in the – we were expecting Newhook to come in and play like and score 25 goals already. That just doesn't happen in your second year in the league, unless you're a Connor McDavid or an Austin Matthews, that's just not going to happen. Um, so I think it's just kind of reset our expectations for what we should see out of Newhook. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you bring up Cowton Bowers. I mean, we have such incredible depth offensively because injuries are going to occur during the season. There is just a, a 0% chance you go through an 82 game season unscathed, especially if you're the Colorado avalanche, as we've seen over the years, guys go down a lot. So if let's say you lose just for example, Nichushkin or Burakovsky, and you have to start to dip into call-ups, you have Cout and Bowers that are able to step up and fill those roles right away. And they're going to be hungry to prove that they belong at the NHL level. Yeah, I mean, you got Cal Bowers, and then I, I personally, I, I like Kiefer Shearwood, too, coming out of the AHL. I thought he, whenever he plays for the Avs in the main lineup, he, he's solid. I don't think he has nearly the potential that a Bowers or a Cout has, but if you need someone just one game, I think Kiefer Shear, Shearwood can come up and play well. I think you got Jason Megna, uh, and then you've got, uh, his name's uh, Sheldon Dries, too. I mean, that, that's, that's six forwards you're talking about bringing up in case of injuries, because we do know there is going to be an injury. Um, and I'm a lot more pleased with the depth at forward in case of emergency than I am, let's say, depth of defenseman in case of emergency. Yeah, that was an, that was another thing with Raj that depth of defenseman just we're already dipping into the the Jack Johnson pool yeah. already. And I agreed with everything he said on Justin Barron, but when it comes to Jack Johnson and Curtis McDermott, I'd almost prefer to play Justin Barron, even if he is not quite ready yet. Just I'd agree. Yeah. I mean, I just, I wonder if we did a, a, as good of a job as we could have this off season with filling that defensive depth because Jack Johnson, he got signed. That's something we haven't brought up yet. Jack Johnson did sign his contract one year you, at league okay. men. How are but, you doing? You doing okay with that? I am, okay I'm taking several deep breaths. I am <laughs> doing my best to, to talk straight on the inside. I'm screaming a little bit, but nevertheless, we, we must persist. And with Jack Johnson, there were better options out there. Yep. There were guys you could have signed. I go back to a Ben Hutton was still available at that point. I'm a big Ben Hutton guy. I think he would have fit well on the team you didn't have to bring in Jack Johnson and Curtis McDermott. You didn't have to pay a draft pick for, and I, I don't love that. Those are our replacement guys. If players go down, like, cause the is going to be out. Raj suggested maybe a month or so. 
is Jack Johnson going to be in that entire time? Because Jack Johnson had two good preseason games and he's already regressed. And I want him yeah. to be good. I want him to be good, but I cannot in good faith say that he's going to be. Yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. And like what Raj said, as long as he's playing 12 to 15 minutes a game, you may be okay, but that's, that's still a tw- lot of minutes. That's a lot. It's a lot. I know, but it, it's, it's scary, but I'm trying to stay optimistic. It's, it's the start of a new season. We're feeling good. Uh, we're going to keep the good vibes going and keep, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Do I'm doing my best to keep the good vibes going, but just <laughs> my, my thing with, with Johnson and McDermott is if you're not playing them together, which you never, ever should, you're no. going to have to pair them with someone. And who are you tying that anchor to that they've got to shelter Jack Johnson or Curtis McDermott for that night? Is it going to be Bo Byram as we try to get him into the NHL? Are we immediately going to put a Jack Johnson weight around his ankles, a guy who can't move the puck? And if we're going to be honest, is not very good at defense. I certainly hope not. But if not him, is it going to be Eric Johnson? Is it going to be Gerard? It should never be McCarr. So no. No, I think it would be a disservice to Byram if you put him with Jack Johnson, just in the simple fact that Byram's a young player. He's still looking to build confidence in the league. I think if you keep him out there and he's going minus one, minus two, and it's not really his fault, I think that's going to be worse for Byram. I think they're going to either put Jack Johnson and Ryan Murray together, or it's going to... I I mean, Murray might be playing with McCarr. Yeah, Murray might be playing with McCarr in these first couple weeks. Because uh, you can't break up Gerard and Tave or Gerard and Eric Johnson. Um, because, I mean, they're a fan. They're a look, perfect Look pairing. where we are right now. We've already gone through the two top pairs where yeah. we're going to have Murray playing with McCarr. And like you said, you can't break up that second pair. That is a perfect marriage between Gerard yeah. and Johnson. So what options are left other than to tie that Jack Johnson ankle weight around Byram? And hopefully Byram can just bring him up i i think we're gonna have to i i think if we see struggles and johnson is pulling byram down i think bednar would be smart just to switch it up and maybe throw him a car out there with johnson every once in a while maybe throw an eric johnson out there every once in a while maybe a gerard because you need to keep byram bowen byram's confidence level up you absolutely need to there's no if ands or buts we know the kid can play, and he just needs that confidence because once he gets it, we know he's got to take off. And I don't know if he's going to get that confidence playing with Jack Johnson. Yeah, it's just like you see, you see what I mean and where this conversation has gone already, just how are we going to manage Jack Johnson in the, the hopefully short absence of Devon Tays? Just my whole point with this is Johnson is here, and I hope he's going to be good, but I always go back to – did we need to do this? Was this really the best move we could have made here? Because if it's not Johnson, it's Curtis McDermott, who is somehow worse. Well, and I think we're forgetting about a player who played well last year, and that's Jacob McDonald. And he got waived um, as well. He did? Yeah. Man, that's what I get for watching football all day. Oh, that's a bummer. So he must not have a strong preseason then. He'll no, probably get he's... claimed. He's going to get claimed. He might. There's, there's some good players on waivers right now. Yeah. Alex Barry Boulay in Tampa got waived today, who is one of their better really? prospects. And McDonald really? is probably one of the better defensemen that got waived. Travis Hamanick got waived as well, from what I remember. Well, he's, 
Hamadick yeah, got waived because yeah. he he's not getting the vaccine, so he can't play in Canada. I think it has to. I think it was like family issues or something with yeah. Hamadick that they some else something else was going. On. I don't know if it was the the vaccine, but there was something going on with like personal issues wise. He didn't want to yeah. opt out or something. But that's a whole other situation. That, whole different thing. We're not going to touch. <laughs> yeah, but there's some good players on waivers. But McDonald, there might be some lower end teams just looking to fill out their defensive end that might take a chance on him because he was good last year but he did not have a very good preseason just yeah I think the kind word for it is ineffective which was surprising I think I had high hopes for him coming in um so yeah that's a little bit of a bummer that's a big bummer this this is where the the Darcy Kemper trade hurts you a bit you really wish you had Connor Timmons right now you do you had to you you had to sacrifice it or else right now would you you rather have yeah. Would you rather have Darcy Kemper starting in net or would you rather have Connor Timmons filling out your third pair? And caveat to that, would you rather have Jonas Johansson as your number one goaltender right now with Frankie's injury? Right. So we've got to just, it, it's, you got to bite the bullet there. So yeah, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun year and we will, we will keep our fingers crossed that yeah. nothing crazy happens in these first couple of weeks until Taves gets back. Yeah. I mean, and just look at the position we're talking about. We're talking about the final spot on the third pair. We could yeah. be several other teams talking about how we don't have like a second line center or, or any kind of decent defenseman at all. So we're in a pretty fortunate position, I would say yeah. for us to be complaining about literally the last spot on the team. Yeah. I, I think we'll, uh, I think we've just gotten as Avalanche fans, we've gotten spoiled these past couple of years and we've got a really nitpick and we didn't really get a chance to nitpick too much last year because the lineup was pretty much set in stone from the second training camp started. We knew who was going to be with who and where this player was going to be and all that fun stuff. So we will see what happens. Yeah. We are just a couple days away from the home opener against the Chicago Blackhawks. But once again, thank you to Raj for coming on the show with us tonight. Outstanding interview, just a great insight on the team all around. And he's welcome back really anytime he wants. Anytime Raj, if you're listening to this anytime, my friend. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Teledabs. It is podcast on the hockey podcast network. We will have another episode coming out tomorrow with our season predictions for the entire NHL going through a quick recap of what we talked about with the central. We're going to look at one through eight in the Pacific, the Metro and the Atlantic and pretty much any other takes that we have for the upcoming season. And our normal Thursday episode will be pushed to Friday since Wednesday is my birthday. Christian will be going to the avalanche game. And generally, unless we want to be recording at three in the morning might be kind of difficult. So we're going to have that episode come out on Friday. So regardless, that's going to do it for this edition of the Teledabs this podcast. Welcome to the show, Christian. This is going to be one hell of a ride this season. I can't wait to see where it goes. I can't wait either. And we're super excited to share this journey with you, Abs fans. 100%. So that's going to do it for this edition. You can follow me on Twitter at G Young's NHL. You can follow the show at Teledabs is and Christian, where can people find you? You can find me over here at my uh, ad is at Christian underscore Bolay. And then also find me over at the at Denver Nosebleed on Twitter. Um, 
lots of fun stuff we got going on over there. So make sure you check us out. Absolutely. So thank you so much for tuning in as always to all the old and new listeners, and we will catch you all next time.